Sound Pages is a literary series featuring resident artists in the Jack Straw Writers Program. I haven't seen them since Japan invaded, since my grandpa climbed onto a ship to anywhere else. This program features the work of 2020 writer Troy Osaki. In the first half, you'll hear his conversation with curator Anastasia Rene, recorded in the Jack Straw Studio. Tell us about your Jack Straw project. So my Jack Straw project is a chapbook manuscript, and it is a collection of poems that I started writing after I visited the Philippines for the first time in 2017, which is where my mom's side of the family is from. And the trip was very transformative and really life-changing. I think before going to the Philippines, and even still after returning, it's pretty common to like romanticize your homeland and to think about where you're from in this very idealistic way. And, you know, returning to the Philippines for the first time, you know, as much as I loved the trip and I learned so many lessons, it was one of the most difficult trips I've had to take. Um, And I say that because the people of the Philippines are experiencing really harsh conditions. Um, Poverty is very apparent. And a lot of folks who speak out for pro-people policies um, are harmed, whether it's being arrested on trumped-up charges or targeted um, and killed. And so seeing the conditions of the Philippines firsthand and seeing the people and organizers who are my age and younger working to address what's happening was really inspiring and it was really hard to see. Um, And so I think that fueled a lot of fire and Uh, I came back with lots of stories and lots of experiences from rallying at the U.S. Embassy the day after the Pentagon announced that they were proposing to bomb the southern parts of the Philippines to the nights where I was trying to find, like, an Uber and didn't know how to speak Tagalog. And I think my time there was just... It was very transformative, and so I'm, I'm trying to create a sort of homecoming, but also a farewell, because my family had to leave the Philippines, not by choice. Uh, and a friend of mine who just did a round of edits on it is also calling it a travel log, which I think is really cool. Um, just, you know, logging all the, all the places I went to in the Philippines and describing them, so... I'm excited by it. I'm hoping to put where I am at in it, like 100%. I'd like to know what connects you most to your genre of writing. I think it goes back to where it started for me with poetry. Uh, And that's this idea that I learned, which is poetry has the power to change hearts and minds. And it has the ability to create new ideas and ways of thinking and ways of imagining how the world can be. And I think for me, I'm very much interested in 
using writing and poetry to shift culture and to create like a path towards social change. And so um, I think poetry does a really great job at that. And I think there are so many times when we need art and that when we turn to art, um, there are answers. And for me, I'm connected to poetry because I feel like it can provide new possibility. Would you say that the genre of poetry chose you or Mm. did you choose it? I think poetry chose me because I originally (laughs) chose music and I wanted to be a rock star as I think a lot of other writers did. And I remember listening to like Blink-182 in grade school and wanting to go on tour. (laughs) Uh, And then over time, kind of just finding out, I did like, I really thought I had no rhythm. And then a little while ago, someone told me that we all have rhythm because we all have heartbeats. And then that shook me. And then I guess I just have not great rhythm and it's not awesome rhythm. But in any case, I I think I was very fortunate after grade school and middle school to have a high school class, English class, that introduced me to spoken word. And that's where Youth Speak Seattle came to my class as part of like a guest lecture. And I was introduced to performance poetry and spoken word poetry and um, got really excited about it and started going out to uh, writing circles and open mics and eventually poetry slams all around Seattle. And it just all came at a really pivotal time for me too as a young person. That year, a classmate was shot and killed on campus. And then that same year, it was like 2009, 2010, I think a total of five young people were uh, passed away because of gun violence. And and so the air was just very heavy. And I remember turning to writing and, and learning that writing has this ability to create a conversation with yourself that you wouldn't otherwise have. Um, And so I used writing to process and reflect a lot of the things that I had difficulty in understanding at the time. And then from there, I really learned that not only is writing a way to get through the complicated things in life and to process, but it it really truly has the power to go beyond that and imagine new ways and what's possible. And so, yeah, I, I think with all my writing, I'm really hoping to work towards social change and use writing to change to change hearts and minds and to win over folks and like to unite people because I've seen it done before. I would like to know how you celebrate yourself and your work or what about your work gives you joy. I think one thing that I genuinely like is that I bring, I think I bring my people into poems as much as possible. And sometimes I think it, I think I do it too much and I should talk from the I perspective more, but I just have a lot of love for where I come from and who helped bring me here and have a lot of appreciation for them. So, you know, bringing in my, my grandparents, bringing in, you know, the love of my life, bringing in uh, my comrades, like my people who continue to organize every day, 
bringing in my family, uh, both blood and chosen, into my poems uh, makes me feel like these pieces um, are holding a lot of heart. And I, I'd like to think that um, I'm capturing moments that, whether or not they know, have impacted me. And so I'm doing my best to make sure that those lessons I learned from them carry on and are continued even after I've written them. I'd like to know what you might tell your younger Troy, the writer or Troy, the creative person. What would you tell them? A word of advice or, or something you really like younger Troy to know? I think what comes to mind is to believe in your story. I think when I was growing up and learning, like being introduced to writing and doing my best to get, yeah, to, to become a writer, whatever that means, um, I think I did a lot of emulating and a lot of like taking what I would see and trying to replicate it. You know, and that was very, especially in like slam poetry and performance poetry, that was very like apparent because it would come out in the cadence and the voice and it would come out in the style of writing the way you would set up a punchline, something like that. And that's not to say that that's wrong or incorrect, but um, I would also very much encourage younger Troy that that writing about um, yourself and like what you think is cool and not what you think other people would think is cool is what you should be writing. Now, we'll hear a selection from Troy's live reading. Mabuhai is the first sign I read from the plane at Nino Aquino Airport. It's electric pink and squeezed calamansi green, the size of our flying engines. Nico welcomes us at the terminal, calls an Uber, talks to the driver in Tagalog. Each word, a distant cousin I've never met. We speed by four jolly bees, and then I lose count. Outside, it's 2 a.m. Berlin finishes posing for a photo below a street light before he greets us. We pass puddles of manila water in an alley, a small schoolboy sleeping on a concrete stoop. Inside our homestay, Nona calls Micah a garbage cat. She catches a cockroach beneath the sink, turns it over with her paws, stares at it, struggling to get up. By daybreak, Aunties petal eggplant and bundles of long beans. Their hands, the roads, cracked. My first homecoming, caged rooster croaking, cramped tricycle, crowded palenque. It's street shop sinigang and no mineral water. Heat rash spreading above abdomen skin, howling, and sweat. 
on the jeepney. My thigh crushes someone else's thigh as we bang the corner by Chowking. We share leg space when there is none. The wind whips in from the window that's gone and we breathe the same polluted air. People pile in and don't stop. Every stranger could be my sister or nephew and is. Not by blood, perhaps, pedal by country. 7,000 islands that's ours and isn't. Two boys hang off the tailgate for miles and they are my kin. I haven't seen them since Japan invaded, since my grandpa climbed onto a ship to anywhere else. In a city where Spanish armies surrendered, we order a bucket of fried chicken from Pizza Hut's. Three 10-piece chicken joys to split at Jollibee. I bite into my first neck bone on a street corner. It's a godly crunch. Astonished, I weep, cooking oil, hot, my mouth a cave of salt. I chew and I'm 100 bolo knives clinking midsummer. I dig pesos out of my hidden pockets, pass bright coins to the vendor's holy hands, his walk smoldering, fat crackling herd across provinces. I hold half a bag of bones, wipe my wet chin splattered in grease with the back of my hand. At midnight, I eat wings on a sidewalk, crowded of aunties crouching on blue tarp to sell phone chargers to anyone who needs them. And no one ever does. Perhaps the hardest part about my first night in the Philippines is the mosquito bites. Lonnie says they're low-key excited I'm here. Now, they'll be bitten less with more bodies in the house. By sunrise, my legs are licked of all their blood, and I'm unsure of what is louder. The flock of honking jeepney across the streets, or the welts on my ankle pulsing bright red. I begin to carry a cauldron of tiger bomb wherever I go. In Tharlock, fire ants swarm the farms. I walk barefoot between stalks of rice, discover a sting in each step. Bending down, I brush away their bites, pluck a bush of thorns out of my heel. Nico says, they're here to defend the countryside. Before leaving for Quezon City, I'm bit again. The back of my bicep swells like summer heat 
I jog upstairs to the shared room I sleep in, inspect the floorboards I use as a mattress. Between the cracks is a bed bug, brown as coconut husk. I bathe my backpack in hand soap and water, pay 60 pesos to clean my clothes at the laundromats. My t-shirts smell like lemon detergent. I slide them into a single Ziploc bag and roll out the air. I am convinced all insects need to breathe too. Perhaps my blood is still someplace in the motherland. The spout of a mosquito, teeth of a fire ant. Maybe there's a bed bug crawling through dust on a full stomach of my body's scarlet ocean. And if I could, I think I'd offer her my blood again. Someone in the slums goes missing. 17-year-old boy dragged into dead end alley. President Duterte said, because the war on drugs. Kian said, may I please go? I have an exam in the morning. President Duterte said, the war on drugs. The gun said, not tonight. The barrel spoke, and in the morning, Kian missed his exam. The back of his head, a dangerous red. The gun said, not tonight. The barrel spoke, and in Quezon City, I meet Ariane. The back of her head, in danger. To her roommates, Madame, in Quezon City, I watched Madame smoke a cigarette, feed her ducks. Her roommates and she, mad, asked if I heard about Kian, smoked in an alley, fed a bullets. He said, may I please go? I ask if Kian is different from the 17 boys dragged away before. Someone in the slums goes missing again. A table of cuyas play pesoidos. Then a heavy thud kicks against the door. The quick snap of it breaking loose. And less time than it takes to play three of a kind a caravan of leather boots trample in. Brass casings kiss the ground. Wide, toothless grins become gasping mouths. Their faces full until they aren't. Only hollow. My grandpa didn't immigrate. He fled Japanese occupation. When Carly's body isn't body, but ash. 
they wish to be poured into Lake Washington, below a sun becoming half a sun, a plum purple sky. Their right elbow floating specks stuck to a silver duck feather. The welcome mat of a corner store in South Seattle, Nico says, staring into the guts of Rainier Ave. I think of the Shell gas station on Beacon Hill, opened door wide as August heat, fried catfish sold by the pound. He asks to be scattered here in parts, the rest packed in a bullock buy-in box and sent to the Philippines. If I am gone before every Filipino auntie ringing the cashier at Goodwill can return home, then give my burned bones to Jordan. Ask her to dust bits of me on our bright table covered in peony petals and the postcard of a mother in a rice paddy that reads, keep our land, our village, a long barrel rifle in her hands, her newborn slung on her back. Once while in bed, Jordan pressed my chicken pox scars and counted each dot. Named even the smallest, most forgotten blemish, remarkable. A sliver of my bicep, its sister island near my pit. Speckled spots in the shape of an archipelago. A country not conquered in blood. Sound Pages is a Jack Straw production, produced by Alyssa Keene and Daniel Gunther at Jack Straw Cultural Center. Our recording engineers are Steve DeTori, Daniel Gunther, Joel Maddox, and Ayesha Ubiatilaka. Our theme music is by Sassy Black, produced through the Jack Straw Artist Support Program. The 2020 curator of this program is Anastasia Renee, and the narrator for this podcast is Alyssa Keene. The Jack Straw Writers Program was inspired by an over-the-back fence conversation in 1996 between author Rebecca Brown and Jack Straw Executive Director Joan Rabinowitz. The program is made possible with support from the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Culture, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, the Washington State Arts Commission, the National Endowment for the Arts, Arts Fund, and individual contributors. Special thanks to Larry Lawrence for transcribing our writers' interviews. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology. You can subscribe to this and other Jack Straw podcasts through your favorite podcast app. To hear more episodes and learn about our other programs, visit us at jackstraw.org. Thank you for listening.